Let's talk politics. Let's talk emotion. Let's talk about other movies we've seen. Let's talk about popularity. Let's talk about this baseball. Let's talk solutions. Come on, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Hello and welcome to this episode of Let's Talk, a podcast designed to promote and facilitate conversations for a better world. I'm joined today by my former high school cross-country coach, Billy Poole-Harris. Billy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ryan. Thanks for asking. We are we are here to talk about the oh man well we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff I mean I don't really know where where to begin <laughs> with you Billy um, it kind of walking down memory lane uh, I wanted to talk I wanted to I guess start the conversation by talking about our 2015 um, our t- the, the magical run the culmination of the four years but first I kind of wanted to get your perspective where are you at now Billy what are you doing so the listening audience can kind of get a perspective on your life well um, currently I'm uh, assistant business coach for the men at Indiana State University um, prior to um, planting here, I did a small stint at Northern Illinois University with the Huskies. And prior to that, I was still coaching high school and teaching special ed at Whitney Young High School. So I kind of made a life change, want to move and kind of pursue my dreams of coaching on the collegiate level and kind of see where that takes me. But uh, yeah, that's where I am right now. But you you never really fully got the the same high of coaching the elite team of runners that you had, uh, you know, back when 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 we were still there, at Whitney. Did you? Um, I, I I can say I haven't got that high yet. Um, and with good things, it takes a little bit of time. Um, I've been working really hard here for the Sycamores of Indiana State, and you know we have some good things brewing and. It's a little different from grabbing a group of kids that can barely walk and chew gum at the same time <laughs> on the high school level. It's a little different when you get here. Some of them still have those traits, but you know we can correct them quicker than we could in high school. And there's definitely a, um, a deeper love for for running on the collegiate level because they kind of chose this path. Um, in high school, it was kind of fun. Um, playing mind games to trick kids into running. And I think all good high school coaches can do that, which is say, hey, come out here. I want you to run 400 meters and then go home. And the kids think, hey, I'm doing something great. And then when they realize that they've been running three miles at a pretty steady clip uh, four years down the road. So if you're going to be a good high school coach, you you, you got you to gotta be able to, to sail the sport, definitely. Yeah, so I guess I kind of wanted to 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 get your your perspective, your your voice on on you know what were your first impressions of because I now I'm thinking of my class of of Charles Sandberg of Sandwich Newski, of course myself because in thinking about that 2015 run, which is you know really what I want to focus on today, I want to know what did you see from when we when we first joined the team as a freshman to when we were kind of going in gearing up for that that final senior season um, for the three of us. Well, to be completely honest, Ryan, you might not want to hear this. I had no idea we were going to make the run that we did. Um, I mean, I can give a handful of guys that you know it just they wouldn't cut out to be runners but that's the cool thing about our sport they believed and I think that was the culmination of of that 2015 team 
you guys simply believed in each other. You guys believe in a brotherhood and, you know, with some, um, with the right workouts and, you know, the right lessons from those workouts, you guys were able to put together something that I don't think outside of uh, our rival Jones College Prep, um, I don't think there will be another team that would have the run that we did those four years that you guys were there. Uh, we, you know, the year after we did a little bit better, but you guys, the 2015 team was definitely the, uh, was definitely the culmination of the work that everybody, yourself included, put in for those four years. So it was, it was kind of exciting. I did not expect it four years when you came in. Um, I'm sorry for your listeners, but um, there was you were getting beat by girls. That was short <laughs> and not not saying that's anything wrong against women or girl runners when they're starting to come out because we have some phenomenal runners here. But you were running like 20 minutes maybe 21 minutes for three miles no my was, slowest was 19 billy put some respect on my I, name <laughs> I, I would i would like to respectfully disagree with you um <laughs> <laughs> but you were not cut out to be a high school runner by any stretch of the imagination and as we go through this i think you know you you ended up your senior year not only being fourth on our team but you ran, I believe, 15, 15, 15, so, 17, a little slower. <laughs> okay. So I, I gave you two seconds there, <laughs> so, but no, I mean, and that's, that's kind of how it is. You know, it's, it's not about taking elite guys or elite women and saying, Hey, go out there and, you know, just go run and pound the pavement. You, you got to have some belief and you got to have some some fun behind it and I think we did it very well I think the balance was there and it was fun it was fun yeah and so for people that that haven't you know that that weren't there with us that that didn't kind of see the culture or or you know just kind of kind of curious you know what what were some of your favorite memories from from that season from you know leading up to it cuz I, I i have a few that i can uh i can talk yeah. about but i'm kind of curious as to hear what sticks well, out to you I'm, so what sticks out to me is two things um i really like that we that you guys took on to the mental side of things uh we used to go in and we used to do mental imaging kind of sit down kind of walk through the race and we did that for about six weeks prior to the sectional meet where I think our, our state was state. We did everything there, but you know, in our state and our sectional, the teams that we, you know, uh, line up against are some of the best in the country on the high school level. And that still is true today. Um, so for us to come out and get second over a powerhouse of York, which that still is dominant and we Warrenville South, they just came back and got third in the country. And we were, we beat their, team that we've seen just this last year at the Nike Cross National, which I think is saying a lot to what we did. But mental imaging was really cool that time. Um, it was the worst conditions possible. It was raining. It was muddy. We had some concrete um, <clears throat> pavement on the course. Oh, yeah. And it was when, when we did our final mental imaging and we were walking out to the starting line, there was just a different feel. And, you know, you guys weren't looking scared. You didn't look exhausted from the anxiety that most high school runners take when they line up on a big race stage like that. 
you guys just look focused and relaxed. It, it, that's a weird combination to have, especially in high school, um, cross country. But that one's the coolest thing ever. I, I remember it every time I talk about mental imaging with the current athletes I had. I'm like, this team just, that was, you, you can't get to that final level. And I think you guys were there from your capabilities. You guys wasn't going one through five, but for what you guys were going out there to do, Physically and mentally, you guys were literally in the zone before you got to the line. So that was a cool, um, that was a cool memory uh, that I always just think back on from time to time. And then there was the one where I almost got fired. Um, <laughs> I remember all of you guys had ACT, SAT. You had to get final college papers due, and I was like, hey. I want you to quote unquote call off. <laughs> Don't come in the school, get some rest, get your college stuff done because all you guys are stressing out about it. And you know, for the listeners out there, this wasn't you know all you know academics is taking a backseat to running. No, your team. If we can go down the list of your team, we have one guy at Stanford, one guy at Williams, one guy at Yale. You went to Northwestern. One guy went to Notre Dame, so you guys were no slouches, and you guys were stressed out about, I need to get this stuff done so I can prepare for my future. I'm like, okay, you guys are going to be okay. Just take the day. And then someone called in to the tennis office. Yeah, Coach Billy said that we can take the day off. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so about, I'll say two periods later, I get called down to the office. What did you do? <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so somebody ran on us. So most of you guys had to come back into school so you can race. So uh, we didn't break any rules. But if I didn't get the call from my administrative team to tell us to get you guys back in school, it would have been it would have been no story. It wouldn't have been no 2015 season. So I was shaking in my boots, and I got a, a nice tongue lashing from my administrative. Team. But you know, that's I, I would say that's one of those things where it's like. You know, hey, you got a kid that's out that's got a, you know, that needs to be in class versus you guys are absolutely stellar in the classroom academically. And you need to, I trusted you guys, because needless to say. So those are the two memories that stick out to me from a student athlete point of view for the 2015 season. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you bring up the, the the mental imaging one because I always think about mental imaging and I think about how, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but I both the times I, leading and so what we would do for anybody listening that doesn't really understand what a mental imaging session would be is we'd all lay on the ground, usually in the weight room, and Billy would kind of walk us through a guided meditation of, um, you know, visualizing the race, feeling out, you know, kind of kind of letting you run the race before you ran the race and i don't know if you before the sectional race and before the state race billy i i sobbed i sobbed both this time <laughs> i don't know if you remember that but um looking back on it because because it really felt like we had run the race and we had achieved what we what we had set out to do um which was which we had set those goals during um mm -hmm. the 
what what I think is the the most fun trip we ever went on, which was to the Smoky Mountains. Oh <laughs> um, man, I remember those. Yes, that was. We got great stories on that one too. And um, <laughs> I remember us sitting on the table and making that. But I, I man, I, I don't even know where I want to go with the Smoky Mountains because Sam and I touched on a little bit. And if you, I don't yeah. know if you listened all the way through, Billy, but uh, we talked about mooning you. Uh, um, <laughs> And, oh, and I don't, how did, how did you come up with that idea? Cause that's, that's a question that I still don't think I've ever gotten answered. And, and it was really, it was one of the best trips that I think in terms of fostering that camaraderie and oh, that teamwork, you, you, I mean, you're talking I, about the trip, correct? The trip. Yeah. 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 We stayed in yeah, that motel. So, I mean, it, it, it went, it went back to when I was in college, you know, I went to the university of Illinois at Chicago and our coach, um, he said, hey, you know, we're going up to the Michigan Warren Dunes for a couple nights just to get some good running in, kind of get away from everybody. And the, some of those men and women that we were up there with, I still some of my friends today. And that's kind of what, it's exciting. You know, we did some team building activities. We worked on the season. I tweaked a little uh, bit of things given our situation being in high school. And I'm like, you know, this is good how to, you know, start out the season. You know, you get to school start out school with like you know the pomp and circumstance you know you're on the college campus you have all this you know excitement going on and you're like hey i'm ready for school and you work on it for you know for the 16 weeks that you're there mm-hmm. and then same thing with cross country it's about 16 weeks so i'm like hey you know let's let's all get on the same page let's all dial in on what we want to do and it's up to me you know i'm in charge of making sure those things stay intact. Like, hey, remember what happened um, at the camp? Remember you said you were going to do this? Remember your goals? Just kind of giving you a friendly nudge to stay on track. Um, and I always say, I'm not a coach. Well, I'm a coach, but I'm more of a facilitator, especially in this sport, because you're going to run, you know, and you're going to run fast. Everybody wants to run fast. Everybody wants to run fast. Oh, Why yeah. are you doing this sport? Everybody wants to run fast, but. I need to show you how to get there and I shouldn't have to push you. I shouldn't have to berate you or yell at you or things like that because you want to be here. This is something that's very special about our sport. The people that told the line, they want to be here, you know, and you can see it in the body language. You can see it in the body language before they start the race. Everybody's motivated as soon as they told the line. Now, what happens after the gun goes off is completely up to them. But once they told that line, everybody's ready. So it's your job as a coach to put those people in that situation. You shouldn't have to yell at them before a race. shouldn't have to keep their parents away from them, keep their girlfriends. Hell, keep the puppy away. Because the puppy could, like, poop on themselves. You weren't about <laughs> the dog pooping before they get to the line. Like, there's no sense. Just have a clear head. Have some go and run fast so that's just my two cents yeah and i think going into that season we really did set the set the expectations high we you know we the, the crazy thing and the, the reason that i always come back to this season and i still think about it to this day is because we really we wrote down our goals to to win city to be the first team in our school history to qualify out of sectionals and then to just 
you know do our best at state and i'm really just kind of i still am floored that the fact that that we did all of those things um and and one of the things that i, I want to talk about is because i think it's still to this day one of the most uh badass moments that i've ever had uh and it's it's it was at city um and then when we won, I, I remember passing, I think it was some guy from Jones and doing the wave um, as I passed him. The uh, it was it was kind of a goodbye wave. Um, yeah, I remember <laughs> that one. And I got approached by three coaches immediately after. <laughs> what and did they say to you? It was, well, when it was you. So this guy always generally go out fast. He's beat you. 10 ways from Sunday throughout the season. Anytime we faced together, he was running faster than you. His times were faster than you on paper. You just don't beat these guys. And so this was at, um, I believe this was at conference. And as soon as you passed them, I didn't hear it. I'm over here running the meet, you know, because during at the conference championship, the people that were supposed to take ownership of the meat as far as meat management, it all kind of fell on me and our coaches and staff at Whitney Young. So I'm out here making sure that the meat is going well. I know you guys are going to do well. And if you don't get second or if you don't get first, then we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's what the goal was. So I didn't know what happened. Once I get back to the tent, I got all three coaches from our rival school approach me and was like, hey, your kids is talking crap and your kids are yelling and your kids are cussing. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what happened? And then before I get that out, he's like, if it ever happens again, and then the guy got closer to me, now you're not going to see coach. You're going to see another dude on the street. Like, <laughs> just don't come in my space if you have a problem, an issue with a team. That's not professional, and we can de-escalate that situation real quick. So we had to talk. And um, they pretty much said that you was talking crap and you waved at him and he got upset and started crying and slowed down. Oh, so what? you crushed your spirits. Oh, I didn't hear that during part. During the two mount. Yeah, I know you didn't, but <laughs> this is what happened. So you kind of crushed the kid's spirits because he was having, they, they knew they were losing. They knew where we were in the, um, in the placing and, and, you know, giving your viewers um, a kind of tidbit, it was just a two- team race it was you know jones and us fighting with each other just back and forth you know every you know we were very evenly matched and when they they had their game plan you can't let ryan get in front of you or you can't let um our fifth runner get in front of the guy that you waved at so now not only did you get in front of him two more people got in front of him he was like oh crap that's all five guys all six guys we're done and so when you wave by, you kind of put the icing on the cake, and that can do damage to a kid. So, <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Uh, hopefully, thanks. he's not uh, he's not permanently scarred. Um, well, let's hope not. I don't <laughs> think he is. Everybody like everyone has a good failure, and they, and it's about how you bounce back and move forward. That's the big key. So, yeah, and 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 I think that. So we, we, we've talked about we talked about the city. We've talked about sectionals a little <clears> bit. But what was it like for you? you know, waking up as a coach, because this was your first state meet when we made it down to state, right? 
Yes, that is true. So what was it like kind of waking up on that morning and, and knowing that not only we had accomplished our goals, but that we were about to do something that that no, no, I guess, except for Jones, no city team had done in, in a long time. Cause for me, that was, yeah. that was something that you always emphasized in practice and training was, you know, not only do we want to represent Whitney Young, but we want to represent the city of Chicago as well. Mm-hmm. So my goal is completed. We are about five years, six years from the date, mm-hmm. five years. And you're still talking about it. You still have a memory that you can cherish for the rest of your life. Not only that, you have friends that was on the previous podcast that you can still have fond memories about. And you guys can have a deeper bond. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy teaching and creating memories. That's how I got into coaching. When I was in high school myself, we got to the state meet. We had an utter and complete failure. But... I still have friends to this day. And truth be told, I'm going to tell all your viewers here, I was not the smartest guy in high school. Um, (laughs) GPA was not the greatest. ACT, I took it two times and I didn't get over 20. But running is all I had. And so when I got to college, I don't know how I got to college, by the way, but I got there. (laughs) And um, it turned around first semester after that, it was 3.5. And I didn't look back. And it was just uh, my coaches to believe in me and even my teammates. You know, I can tell or a coach can tell you one thing and it can sting, but it doesn't sting like it does when a peer come up to you, grab you by the collar and be like, hey, you need to get your stuff together. I think that's the biggest accountability partner. Any team or any group that wants to be elite or extremely efficient needs to have. And that's that um, accountability from not only an individual one-on-one, it could be a 360 approach where everybody's like, hey, we all need to get this together. Let's start, instead of pointing fingers, let's go ahead and grab hands and let's get this done. Mm -hmm. So when I wake up every morning back in high school and I knew that we were going to the state meet, I was excited by any stretch of the imagination, like the pompous circumstance, you know, going and rubbing elbows with some of the best coaches that I looked up to, that was was amazing. But Mm -hmm. on those long drives home back, to Chicago from Peoria at the historic Detweiler Park. Oh, um, yeah. It was, it was just, it was a nice reflection that, you know, you guys are in the back, you know, doing God knows what, <laughs> and I'm trying to stay on the road from all the loud music, which you did play amazing music. <laughs> um, and Thanks, Billy. Um, and I didn't hear it from, I, I was never in the car with you. You never drove with me. But, but that's Coach not Dom true. Was I was, like, sh- I was shotgun with you all the time. But except for one time, Coach Dobbin was in there. She was like, man, Billy. We had, you know, we went to our local watering hole afterwards to kind of reflect on the uh, the day, the meet or whatever. And that one was like, Billy, Ryan sure knows how to play some music. I'm like, yeah, all right. So I want the listeners to know that Ryan does have good taste in music. Definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Billy. Um, no, and, no problem. And, um... Well, I guess I guess moving a little bit into into kind of post, you know, after we we left, can you describe a little bit about like 
what the culture had changed from when we had first got there to, to when we left. Cause I felt like there was, there was a, a pretty significant kind of shift in, you know, kind of the days of, of Logan and Taro and, and, you know, they, they meant well, but I felt like it was, it was kind of a different team that we left than the one that we had joined. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can you tell me who the captain on that team was? I think it was Logan. Was it not? Not him. You said after you left, correct? Oh, the the team after us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Captain during that time. Clayton, right? Nope. Well, who who was it? Don't keep me don't keep me in suspense. <laughs> it was you, knucklehead. Well, no, I know I was the captain when I was there. That's what I'm talking about. That who, during that time, who was the captain there? You. Mm. And so you asked the question: What was the culture afterwards? It was still exactly you. Mm. So, I was reading this book. I want you to write it down, if you don't mind. It's called Sam Welker. He's a famous baseball statistician. Mm-hmm. A statistician. And he wanted to find out who's the best teams of all. And it's the book called, the book is called The Captain's Class. Mm-hmm. And it talks about all the greatest teams that had a dynasty. Now, I'm not saying we're a dynasty by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we don't compare it to a lot of people. But we had a special run in a special city with special circumstances. So you could say we had a good team. But Sam Welker pretty much dissected, bisected all of the different teams from the Boston team, from um, the All Blacks, the rugby team, a couple of basketball teams um, as well, hockey teams, soccer teams, everything, you name it. And he came up with what was the number one thing that made the team successful it wasn't the coaches it wasn't the front offices it was the captain and how they did things and i have to say ryan for you running 21 minutes and i'm gonna stick to that until i die um <laughs> until you run in 15 15 just the every day that you went out and ran every day you had a bad workout every day you had a good workout you brought a passion that is is what everyone needed. And I go back. I could tell them, you're going great. You're doing awesome. Or you're freaking, oh, my God, what are you doing wrong? And then you say it, and we go back to the accountability, and the sting, it has a little bit more sting. That was all you. And when you left and the team left, uh, Clayton was upset. All the guys like, you know, we're not going to have that team like we did last year. Even though we did better, it was – you know, it's kind of, we were working towards that. You know, that was our goal is to be uh, what we did. We wanted to get a trophy, but we didn't. But, you know, they they really missed the, the camaraderie and the passion that you brought. And we could not replicate that since the, from the years that I stayed there until I left. So I have to say, I'm not blowing sunshine up your butt, <laughs> but I have to put that in there. Um, you definitely have a profound... Um, lasting remnants of of the, that team. So, I hope that answered your question. It was exactly you for several years after, and I think that's why we've been successful. From, I mean, we even said it like you. We were. I think everybody was happy for you when you ran fifteen fifteen. Because let's go through the progression. You ran, I believe, at the start of the year. You ran 11.30 in the two-mile time trial, which was equivalent to like 16.40. Mm-hmm. 
And then you're still hiding in the city of Chicago, still human as all get out. So that kind of played a factor. Heat and humidity is public enemy number one for distance runners. And then the weather started to get cold. You didn't, you sustained from getting injured. You started to believe in yourself. And then after that, when you went down to the state meet and you ran what you ran, you were running for your teammates. You wasn't running for yourself. You understood what we needed to do. And when you seen one of our other runners, which name would never be mentioned because you wanted to, and I'm not going to, he pooped the bed. <laughs> um, you knew that you needed to step up. And that's what we missed a lot of times after you left. So, sorry, I had to put that in there. No, no, don't, don't apologize. Uh, you know, it's always nice to hear you you blow sunshine up my butt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I, I guess I guess I, I also wanted to, to ask, you know, why? Because because one thing that I thought you always did, you know, you you always showed just tremendous loyalty um, to the runners that you believed in, and I guess where did that where did that sense of loyalty, that sense of belief? come from even when you know because because what one thing that you didn't mention was the year before you know i finished third to last um in the sectional meet and it would have been easy for you to to drop me or to move on to somebody else and and you did that with a number of other people so what was it about a runner what was it about a person that that allowed you to continue to have that faith in them well it, it, i mean it came back to my upbringing i, I didn't have uh, a great upbringing and you know it's, it's kind of more like a oh this is cliche you know african-american lives in the inner city kind of goes through you know hard times and we see it on disney we see it on netflix how people can you know navigate through the weeds and become successful or meaningfully successful everybody can define what success is in their own book but for me i think that's where the loyalty came from it was just no matter I believed in myself and every time I got pushed down, no one was there to say, Hey, you can do this or Hey, get it together. I had to go through every trial by fire each and every time, whether it was, you know, school, whether it was walking home, like, okay, don't go down this street. Cause if you do, you're going to get beat up mm-hmm. or worse. Or, you know, just, you know, being, I was kind of by myself when I was younger. Um, I had five sisters. I was the youngest of five sisters. I want to say that again. I was the youngest of five sisters. And there was just nothing for a hyperactive kid to to do, kind of sit down and talk about, you know, things that really didn't interest me at all. So I would kind of do everything myself. So when I'm having these internal conversations with myself, like, you can do it. I had a lot of, you know, talks like that. I'm like, okay, well, now... I'm in, as I got older and, and I started to coach and started to be in charge of other kids, you know, um, I would say motivation. I made sure that I didn't leave a man behind. Everybody needs it. And it just takes time for you to do it. And if it doesn't happen, you can make small increment successes along the way. And you got to make sure that they know that like, Hey, you did a great job of taking out the trash. You should do the exact same way tomorrow. Now, tomorrow, it might rain and be 40-mile-an-hour winds and blow you and the trash halfway down the block, okay? <laughs> we understand that that wasn't a good day for you to do it the best you can. And so parents or people that don't have patience, they get wrapped up in the end result, and they don't 
learn about, okay, this is a process. And that's what a lot of our parents at Whitney Young, they were very successful. They were very driven. They were very motivated. Hell, we can call them type A. Now, you want to talk about that coaching with the parents that we had at Whitney Young? That's another podcast for you. We had some very... We have some very intense parents and, you know, not to say that it's bad. And I told him, like, if I, I don't know if you were in that team meeting, I was like, hey, we're in inner city. If your kid get hurt, I'm going to probably take my life, too, because of all the grief that I feel. And that did not go well in the room. They were like, what are you talking about? You're 25 old, you're 25 years old talking about killing yourself. I'm like, no slow down. I just want to reemphasize that I'm going to take care of your kid. Mm-hmm. And so once they seen that and, you know, kids are going home like, hey, coach said clean my room. Why is the coach saying clean the room? Shouldn't the parents say that? You know, it was kind of mm-hmm. it was kind of cool. So I just never gave up on kids, you know, as much as everybody else did um, or even themselves. There's no need for that. We only live once. So I guess my so I'm gonna break a little news to you, Billy, live on the air. Um, so I I have actually been talking, and now now I don't know what this is gonna look like. Considering I I think cross country's been canceled for the fall, right? By IHSA. I don't believe by the IHSA, but I think we all can go ahead and have a healthy, educated guess on where we are gonna fall in the ball no pun intended well so i've been talking to uh to adrian barrientos and and well this was this was much earlier oh my god this was in april when we maybe mistakenly thought that we'd actually have this under control uh um but i am going to try an assistant coach for the team so no way um so i guess my last oh my <laughs> my last <Dang>. question <laughs> all right my, there you go um so my question to you is what advice do you have to uh to an aspiring coach uh going back to the old stomping grounds i know you i, I haven't oh, told you about goodness. this so this is a, a live reaction yeah this is <laughs> oh man you got me right there oh this is a good oh man that's awesome well first congrats i'm glad somebody's entrusting you with their kid <laughs> <laughs> no um the advice I would give to a young, inspiring coach that's going back to their stumping ground. Okay, number one, no one cares about what you did. Okay. <laughs> no one. Don't ever bring the stories up of the old. Let them bring them up. Don't tell them, hey, I was Ryan Wangman. <laughs> I was that dude back in the day. <laughs> they don't need to hear that, nor do they care about that. Just... If the time, if the opportunity presents itself, you can tell them. But do not go in there. Hey, do you know who I am? Because they probably don't know who you are, and they probably don't care. They're probably going to be looking at their phones. <laughs> Rule number two: No phones during practice whatsoever. Okay. Okay. Absolutely no phones. Number three: Read a lot of books on leadership. Forget coaching, you know it, leadership mm-hmm. and culture. Those are the two biggest things. And you can formulate how you want to do that. Number four, you're not the head coach. Mm-hmm. If whoever's the head coach, you have to serve that person. Now you can have your own say. You can be, you know, um, you can be, 
boisterous and things that happen or issues that arise on the team. But let the head coach make that call. If it's if they win, it's his or her fault. If they lose, it's his or her fault. Okay. And then finally, two things, and these are the most points you you these two points are should be taken with high premium <clears throat> care more about those kids than you care about yourself and what you're doing i know it sucks but that's the way it goes a uh, little example of that i've always said i don't care if i have i don't care what i have in life as long as i got a box to sleep in and my boys to coach. That's always been my mentor. And I know it's like, oh, you're not living your life. You're, you know, you're being selfless. Well, that's just the path that I chose. And I'm seeing some meaningful results. And one day I get hopefully recognized for it. Mm-hmm. Second thing, teach, teach, teach. Coaching is about teaching. Coaching is not about who runs the fastest or who jumps the highest who can walk into a track and everybody like, oh, who is that? Who is that? You always, there's always a teachable moment Mm -hmm. and you have to teach. Therefore, you have to be patient. Therefore, you have to be loving. Therefore, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you're going to do when it comes to teaching, but you have to teach and care about those kids more than you care about yourself and everything else to fall into place. It's 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 a tough road. It's a tough road. Coaching is a profession, and a lot of people do not um, recognize it as such. I don't care what level you're on. You could be eighth grade, eight years old. You could be in high school, you in college, on the professional. It's all about teaching. Oh wow! That, I mean, that was I, I. I don't. I. I was. I'm floored. I'm floored, Billy. That was. That's some great advice. Um, and. Nice. And uh, well, you gave me some advice that I'm floored. You about to go? I got some. I got to get some polos. I still got some. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm I'm wondering what what even the season will look like. But it, well, there's probably not going to be a season if I'm being real with you. So. Oh, but see, there we go back to teaching. Do you need a season to teach athletes to run and run well? Well, it's more. Are, are they going to be allowed to with coronavirus restrictions? <laughs> You have you you have to be able to adapt. That's true. That's how, true. How can you teach your current athletes without coaching them mm-hmm. physically? You have Zoom. You have YouTube. You got Twitter. Hey, go look at this. Go look at this person's form. Tell me how it looks. Does it look good? Does it look bad? No, it looks crap. Okay, go mimic it if it looks good, and then come back to me, and then you'll be able to teach them. Or, hey, coach, I ran, you know, some thousands, repeat thousands at three minutes and 30 second pace with three minutes and 30 seconds rest. We'll go into um, periodization in a bit. But I, I ran 312, 312, 310, and three flat. That is not what you were supposed to do. Next time you're supposed to run them at an even pace so you can get some more benefit out of the workout, and it teaches you a little bit of patience. Those are the things you can work on just by having a conversation with them. You don't have to be there and, you know, looking at it and things like that. This is, especially with COVID-19, 
there's going to be a lot of different uh, coaching tactics that's going to come out of this, and you're going to, you're on the forefront. I'm going to be actually calling you for advice soon <laughs> with all this technological stuff going on. It's it's overwhelming. Like Strava, come on, seriously, <laughs> people. Let me go off on a tangent here, please. And if I cuss, don't bleep it out of something. But this stuff is ridiculous. Like, why are people going online? Hey, I ran for four hours or four miles can i please get a like it's like facebook or twitter or instagram you have strava <laughs> oh you have you got strava i can't say the word but you know what i'm trying to say they just they, <laughs> they want all that attention they need that attention and i had a couple of former runners in high school that are running now and every time they get more kudos than like 20 or something because i'm on there i'm just looking at the the idiocracy that happens on the site it's ridiculous <laughs> was it intended for a good cause absolutely but they found the slippery slope and they've been falling fast <laughs> and so this guy gets 30 little likes and all of a sudden he's running faster running faster running faster guess what happened to him you guessed it he got an injury now where is he at he's in his dark space why are people doing that why did well, someone tell me that why are you taking <laughs> pictures on your run how about you work on breathing instead of taking pictures of a darn dog i don't i don't get that i don't get it let me take a picture of this historical monument come back to it Go finish your run. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I digress. <laughs> well, that was a little, uh, for all you listeners out there, it was a little old man yelling at Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> for you. Well, ridiculous. Well, Billy, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Do you have any, any last thoughts for, for any of the listeners out there? Um, running is fun. And... It could be life-changing if you embrace it as such. Um, everyone can run. And as soon as you say, oh, I, I mean, we've all heard it all the time. Hey, you, can, you can't run a block without getting tired. That's fine. You can run a block. How about you run a block five days in a row? And then you're going to probably say, hey, I can do it a little bit more. And as soon as you hear that voice inside you say, hey, I can do it a little bit better. Now you're learning how to run. So anytime you guys see runners out there, they're pushing themselves mentally, physically, you know, so, and again, some of them are doing it to stay in shape. Some of them are doing it to, uh, just take on a challenge. And then I encourage everybody to do that. Um, you don't have to be fast. You don't have to be on Strava and try to get as many likes as you want to for no good reason at all, <laughs> but just go on there and not go on there, but just go out and go run and go see how it is. Go run in the rain, go run in the snow. Um, go run just before a, a rainstorm, you know, around the house so you don't get struck by lightning or anything. But just go see how it feels to run and push your body in, in some inclement weather. It, it's, it could really teach you something about yourself. And, and I can't tell you how beneficial it is for if you're stressed out or if you have a lot of stuff on your mind, if you go out for even a walk or a run, you can clear your head and you can think and plan your life for the next month or week or however long you need. But it's definitely something that I think people, you know, they do, but people give up a little bit sooner than they should and because life gets in the way. So for Ryan's listeners out there, first of all, he's a great guy. And second of all, you guys try running out for a week. See what you think. 
So from from the mouth of the great Billy Pool Harris, the elite running coach, he tells you you got to get out there, you got to start running, and uh, well, we all start somewhere, Billy. So um, thank you for being on the show today. I I, I hope that this was. I hope this was an enjoyable listen. I think, I think we we we, we ramble all over the place, but uh, I think it will be uh, it'll be quite a good listen. Yeah, it should be. And thanks so much, man. I'm, I'm, anything you need from me, let me know. I'm always here for you. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Billy. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.